On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast, a bonus episode for all of you here on the weekend. I am James Yarko, joined as always by Dave Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BuckNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. The always faithful Locked On Bucks listeners have sent us some voicemails, and because we had such a jam-packed week this past week and we have a jam-packed week this coming week with the NFL Draft, we thought, you know what, let's drop a little bonus episode and answer some of these voicemails that you guys were kind enough to send in. So with that, David, let's go ahead and fire up the first one. Hey guys, it's Leighton in Tampa. Just leaving a quick message after uh, listening to uh, David's episode about the uh, uniforms. Totally agree with you, David. Love the uniforms and love Chris Godwin. Um and hoping he gets back to 12. Um, I agree. We've been all so used to him being number 12. But um, for for now, temporarily, he's going to be sporting number 14. So no problems with that. Just uh, hope everything stays uh, good. And you're really going to be excited uh, once we can get some sort of normalcy back. Uh, when it comes to football. Stay safe, guys, and talk to you soon. Go Bucks. All right, Layton, appreciate the phone call, man, especially anytime you want to call in and agree with something that I said on the show. I, I doubly appreciate it. In fact, I might just play this thing twice on this episode just to make myself feel even better. Um, but seriously, I mean, you know, you guys know, if, you, if you've listened to kind of the build-up to the uniform reveal, you already know that I was not the biggest fan of the rumored move to the, to the Super Bowl era uniform, not because I don't like the Super Bowl era uniform, but because, you know, it's just, it's like I've said it a hundred times on the show, it's, it's move forward, not move backwards. But like I also said uh, on my solo episode, and like we just talked about with Scott Smith uh, on our Friday episode, if you haven't caught that, please do so. Um, you know, once they came out and I saw them, I saw how much cleaner they were. And I saw that, you know, the new logo, for the most part, you know, the cleaner logo stayed intact. Uh, as Scott pointed out, a little bit smaller, but still intact. Uh, they returned the pirate ship, you know, a little bit. And then seeing Levante David wearing those threads, I mean, you know, if you've been watching the Buccaneers, covering the Buccaneers, if you're a fan of the Buccaneers, I don't know how you can't get excited to see, you know, a player who wore that uniform wear this uniform and, and kind of all the things that go along with it. You know, the memories of Ron Day shutting down the vet and Derek Brooks running into the end zone to close out the Super Bowl against the Raiders, you know, even though, yes, maybe the game was already in hand, but that really closed it out. So, yeah, I mean... You new uniforms are good, but you know, uh, just like it's been said on the show before, if this uniform doesn't bring any more winning than the uniform that was worn from 2014 to 2019, it's not going to matter because people are just going to want to forget about it. Yeah, I mean, well, and let's let's calm down on the only calling in to agree with David. That's a that's a little bit extreme, but yeah, I mean, it's it, you you know how much I love to talk about Pat McAfee and McAfee always says on his show, you know, you look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, get paid good, pay good, live good, live good, die good. Um, you know, the, the players are obviously excited about the the new old look. And as we heard on, on Friday's episode, 
with uh, with Scott Smith. You know, he said that before Levante even got to see what the uniforms looked like, he was sitting in the the lunchroom at the Advent Health Training Center and and said, "Man, I just hope they go back to what they wore when I first got here." So obviously, he's going to be super excited. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're you're 100 right, and it's something that we've talked about on Twitter and and shout out to. Uh, to friend of the show, Derek, uh, you know, we, we know Shrope is, is still listening and, uh, he always talked about, you know, start winning and then worry about the uniforms because the uniforms mean absolutely nothing in terms of the results that we're going to get on the field. They have to back it up. And ultimately that's what matters the most. I don't think they're going to have a problem winning this year, you know, with, with number 12 under center and, and they were so close in so many games last year and, uh, but it, it is a nice, fresh, clean look, and it, it doesn't bother me at all that they went back to those those Super Bowl era, a little bit of updating, and then those, man, those pewter uniforms are just fire, man. I absolutely love those. They are they are very clean, yes. Very well executed on the pewter color rush. Here with a special weekend episode for all of you Locked on Bucks listeners. We've gotten some voicemails during the week and during the last week or so, so we're going to add an extra episode to our rotation and get them all answered and uh, just heard from Layton. Now let's hear from our next one. How's it going, guys? This is John from St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, I had a question in regards to Tom Brady. I think, you know, fantastic signing. Uh, I think he's already one of the best quarterbacks to play for the Bucks, even though he hasn't even played a game yet. Um, but he's getting up there in age. He's going to be 43 coming to the start of the season. And uh, I have no question that Gabbard could definitely hold the fort down if Brady were to go out for a short amount of time. Um, but, God forbid, if Brady were to go out for, you know, a longer portion of the season, do you guys really believe that Gabbard can sustain this offense and let it be on defensive shoulders? Or do you think we'd be better off going for another free agent like a, a Joe Flacco or a Glennon or a Bradford? Maybe can even in the market? I highly doubt it. Um, and the defense will obviously have to hold up the majority of the work. Uh, but how do you think the Bucks would approach this situation? Also, on a hypothetical note, uh, if Jameis was still a free agent during this period, do you think the Bucks would maybe think about signing Jameis to come to him for Tom Brady? I know it's kind of a, that probably won't happen, but it'd be kind of interesting to see what would happen. Uh, anyways, I appreciate the podcast. I love you guys. Hope you guys and your families are healthy. And I'm going to listen to the podcast. Same to you guys. Thank you very much. Have a good one. All right. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, look, if, if, and we all, hope and pray that it doesn't happen. But if Tom Brady were to go down for any length of time during the season, no, I do not trust Blaine Gabbert to, uh, to steer the ship long enough and, and stay above water uh, to, to keep postseason hopes alive. I would almost rather they ride with Ryan Griffin than Blaine Gabbert because we've seen – seen Griffin do some pretty nice things in preseason and I understand it's preseason but we've also seen Blaine Gabbard in regular season and let's be honest how much worse could it possibly get if you're going to let Ryan Griffin take some snaps over Blaine Gabbard as far as signing a free agent veteran you know you you mentioned Flacco I, I don't see that happening at all I don't think they would bring in a uh a veteran free agent quarterback and, and thrust him into that system. That's why they have Blaine Gabbard is because he already knows the system. He's already played for Bruce Arian. That's the reason that he's here. And ultimately, as far as if Jameis was still out there, no, Jameis Wentz would not sign 
uh, as a backup for the Buccaneers. He would not sign on midseason to come and save the day if, if Brady were to go down. Uh, I think uh, to, to keep the metaphors going, that ship has sailed. And, you know, wish, wish Jameis the best of luck. I don't think we're going to see him sign anywhere for probably the next, I don't know, maybe, maybe sometime within the next month. It certainly won't be before the draft. But you have Jameis Winston floating out there. You have, uh, you have Cam Newton floating out there. You still have Andy Dalton on the trade block. There are still starting caliber quarterbacks that are going to be out on this market, but you have to kind of wait and see how the draft falls before we see that next wave of free agency. So the, the, all the things going on right now, not able to bring guys into facilities, not able to conduct uh, meetings or conduct physicals. That's kind of changed the landscape of free agency this year. And so teams are going to have to either wait until they can bring Jameis Winston in. Remember, he had knee surgery. He had shoulder problems. He had his LASIK. You know, he has, he has all these things that have gone on. Teams are going to want to have him take physicals and be evaluated by their medical staff. Same thing with Cam Newton. So uh, I think once we start to find some normalcy in our day-to-day lives and, and guys can start getting in buildings, that's when we're going to see those guys sign. But as far as bringing in one of those – former starters and, and veteran guys, uh, should Tom Brady go down? No, I don't see it. If Tom Brady goes out to an injury, uh, the entire game plan shifts. I think that um, you're not asking his backup to come in and keep the, 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 the ship afloat in the same sense that, you know, if, if the offense, if the Buccaneers offense is scoring, you know, say 25 to 30 points a game with Tom Brady and he goes out, you're not going to ask that quarterback. I mean, on the surface, you're going to ask that quarterback to do the same thing. And Coach Arians can come out and say, you know, this is this is a team that's built, you know, for the the system's built for the team, da, 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 and we have the confidence in Blaine that he can do it. But in reality, a lot more pressure is going to be put on the running game. A lot more pressure is going to get put on the defense if that happens. And I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care if it's Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin. I don't care if it's uh, I don't know if, if Kurt Warner comes out of retirement and throws the pads back on, if Jameis Winston comes back, it, it doesn't matter. Whoever the quarterback is, if Tom Brady goes out, then the entire shift or the entire focus of the franchise shifts to defense and running, uh, you know, which, is, which is why I believe at least that we're going to see a day two draft pick spent on a running back. Uh, as far, but, and, and here's where, so I have the advantage. You guys, you know, we've, we've kind of hinted on this a little bit and given you guys a peek behind the curtain, but I have the advantage of I actually receive the voicemails on my phone, so I get to listen to them. Uh, sometimes I give James more of a heads up. Sometimes I don't. This is one of those cases where he basically got a heads up about, I don't know, 30 minutes before we start recording. So I did a little bit of homework. You guys know I like numbers. Um, so the, the, look at the NFC playoff picture from 2019. The Seattle Seahawks defense gave up the most points per game. And I say defense, but that's a team. So, you know, there, there might be a pick six. I don't know if Russell Wilson threw any pick sixes, but for what it's worth, the Seattle Seahawks as a team, okay, gave up 24.9 points per game last year and made the playoffs. That is the most points allowed per game by an NFC defense that made the playoffs. Uh, on the flip side, the Green Bay Packers offense or team scored an average of 23.5 points per game. That is the lowest points production of any NFC playoff team from 2019. So what that says to me is that in today's NFL, right, because, you know, things fluctuate from year to year, but generally speaking, I think you can say in this year's in this NFL version, you need to score 25 or more points a game 
and you need to hold your opponent under 25 points per game if you can. That's the goal. So look at the 2019 Buccaneers, right? In the first eight games, the, the Buccaneers defense held their opponent to under, or the Buccaneers rather, held their team, the opposing team, under 25 points once. Week two against Carolina Panthers, a game that they won. In the first eight games of 2019, the Buccaneers scored 25 points, points or more four times and went one in three in those games. In those games, their opponents scored a ton of points. Even in the game they won, the Los Angeles Rams, the Rams scored a ton of points. All right. Look at the back half of 2019. In the final eight games, the defense held their opponents, or well, the Buccaneers held their opponent under 25 points four times. And they went three and one in that stretch. The only game they lost was to the Houston Texans in week 16. Uh, in the last eight games of 2019, the Buccaneers offense scored 25 or more points five times, and they went five and oh. So I think what you saw in the last part of the 2019 season is that when the Buccaneers can score 25 points and when they can hold their opponents to under 25 points, you know, as a team effort, that this team can win. And bringing in a quarterback like Tom Brady, the design there is a guy that can still churn out point production and he can still take advantage of the weapons that they've got on the field and he can protect the ball and protect the lead that they have. Blaine Gabbert comes in. Essentially, what he's got to do is try to get this team to 25 points. And how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to do it with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, whoever wide receiver number three is tight ends, running backs, all that stuff. They're going to use the same weapons. They're going to use some of the similar schemes and all, and all that stuff. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit different. But to say that there's no way Blaine Gabbert could come in or Ryan Griffin come in and get the Buccaneers or quarterback the Buccaneers 25 points with all these weapons, I don't believe that. I think the Buccaneers, even with all these weapons, or because of all these weapons, even without Tom Brady, could still put up 25 points per game, uh, you know, good coaching and all that stuff. I'm not going to say it's going to be as easy as with, you know, a guy like Tom Brady, but that's just kind of how I looked at it. Um, as far as James Winston coming back, we've talked about this before. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think it's one of those situations we've seen the slideshows before, right, of actors that turned down roles that they turned out to regret that they turned down. I think if the Buccaneers were to go to James Winston and say, hey, look, you don't got a job. It's late May. Uh, you know, you want to come back and, you know, uh, continue your development with us. I think he would turn it down. Uh, I think he would regret that, but I feel like honestly that Jameis is going to have a job by May 15th. I think it's just teams are going to wait to see how the draft unfolds, what they have, what they don't have. And one of these teams that doesn't get one of those quarterbacks that they really feel can develop into their future. They're going to throw, you know, six, seven, eight million dollars at Jameis for one to three years. And he's going to take that deal. All right. Well, David, let's go ahead and jump over to the, uh, to the next voicemail. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Adam from Cumming, Georgia. Just calling in. Um, just saw something online about uh, Gronk coming to Tampa because Brady's here. I don't know about you guys, but I think that's the most stupidest thing I've ever heard. We have clearly the talent at tight end, so I don't see how that's even relevant. And not only that, but Gronk just signed with the WWE. How the hell does that even make sense? Um, I just thought I'd uh, put my two cents in, and I uh, hope you guys have a fabulous day. And uh, as always, go Bucks. All right, Adam, uh, appreciate the phone call. So the stuff with Gronk, I mean, th this came up a while ago during the offseason as well. And I think it was reported that basically Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski got asked about 
the potential of returning and pretty much put the squash on it. Uh, as far as the contract with WWE, I don't know how much that really plays into it because honestly, if you're Vic, Vince McMahon, you know, and Gronk wants to return to the NFL for a year, you can work that into your storyline and just you have the deal in place that says, hey, okay, dude, but you're under contract, so we'll give you this wiggle room. You go out there, do your football thing. You're coming back to us at the end of this, and we're going to continue our thing. And really, it's just free publicity because all year long, all people are going to talk about is how Rob Gronkowski was a wrestler, and now he's back on the football field, and he'll be going back to the ring, and et cetera, et cetera. I don't think it happens, uh, but you know, sometimes one thing can lead to another, and these guys are competitors. Uh, there's another, we got another voicemail talking about another rumor that's on the wind that kind of connects with this one. So I'm going to leave it till then, but on, off the cuff, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's a thing, but at the same time, these guys are competitors. They've spent their entire life competing, uh, competing, competing. Rob Gronkowski signing with WWE is, is another, you know, competitive business. You know, it's, it still shows that he's wanting to do something athletic, something physical that is, is competition based. So that competitive fire isn't gone in him. Uh, but on a scale of one to ten, I put it probably about a three right now. But never say never. Yeah, I don't understand the infatuation with the the idea of bringing Gronk into Tampa. I think the Buccaneers are set at tight ends as far as their skill set is concerned, and, and you know we know. Brady likes to utilize Gronk and, and or utilize the tight end, and he and Gronk had this amazing rapport and this amazing chemistry and all that. But David, if I if I were to ask you when the last time Rob Gronkowski played all sixteen games in a season, what would your guess be? Two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fifteen. Uh, no, you would be wrong. The last time Rob Gronkowski played all 16 games in a season was 2011. Yikes. This is a guy that has missed a lot of time due to various injuries, nagging injuries. And, and like you said, you, you know, he's, he's involved with the WWE. He's the 24-7 champion uh, with the WWE. He's moved on. If he wants to come back, that's all well and good. I still don't want him to come to the Buccaneers because you know what else Rob Gronkowski would entail in order to get him in a Buccaneers uniform? A trade. The Patriots still own Gronkowski's rights because he retired while under contract. It's the same principle if a team decided that they wanted to pursue Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck said, you know what, I'm healthy again. I feel like I can still compete in this league and I want to come back and play. Well, guess what? You're not a free agent. The Colts own your rights because you retire while under contract. So the whole Gronkowski thing, it just it makes no sense to me. I don't I don't want to see it happen. I don't think it it would add anything to the team. If anything, it could potentially hurt the team if Gronk isn't healthy enough to play all 16 games. He didn't play last year. He probably isn't in football shape anymore. So yeah, the whole thing to me is just absolutely ridiculous into the weekend on the lockdown bucks podcast with your voicemails your questions we've got one more uh we just answered a question about a tight end we've got one more about another tight end i guess there's some rumors floating around that the bucks may end up training oj howard uh, that's still going on we know that brady uses his tight ends but we also know that arians didn't really use him that much in his time last year and in arizona so just want to get your guys' thoughts on whether or not you still think Maybe OJ should be dealt. 
All right. Thank you very much for the call. No, no, he should not get dealt. No, he should not get traded. Does that mean he won't get traded? Not necessarily. But to me, the idea of OJ Howard getting traded is a little bit of a head scratcher because you would have to think, as I just mentioned uh, when, when talking about Gronk, Tom Brady loves targeting the tight ends. So you would have to think that to go along with the wide receiver duo of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, that the tight end duo of OJ Howard and Cameron Brait was an enticing part of one of the reasons that Tom Brady decided to come here. So I can't imagine he would be too thrilled to sign a two-year deal just to turn around and see one of the weapons that he wanted to utilize traded away for, what, maybe a second-round pick at at best, which to me isn't good enough value. He's cost-controlled for the next two years. The the Bucs have until uh, the beginning of May to pick up his fifth-year option, but that's still a ridiculously low cost for somebody as talented as O.J. Howard. Yes, he had a quote-unquote down year last year. He did have some problems with drops. But you know what else he did? He blocked a lot. And, and we talked about it. You know, Carmen Vitale broke it down for us on, on one of our episodes. He was in there blocking a lot. Now, if the Bucks are able to shore up the offensive line in this upcoming draft, guess what O.J. Howard doesn't have to do as much of? Stay in and block. He can go out on routes. He can be a target for Tom Brady. He can be that weapon up the seam that we saw the first two years when when Dirk Cutter was here and, and, and calling the shots along with Todd Munkin. He's a safe, reliable outlet with ridiculous amounts of athleticism, and he can expose opposing defenses so it just the whole idea of moving on from oj howard coupled with the idea of potentially bringing in rob gronkowski it's it's one of the most head-scratching things that i i can possibly fathom it just it does not make any sense to me so this is what you would consider i mean I i don't know i guess you know depending on who you are but for me this, this year is what I would consider O.J. Howard's rubber season, right? So he had a really good season as a rookie, had some production, showed a lot of upside and all that potential on why he was drafted uh, in the first round with the 19th overall pick the year that he was picked. And then last year, even though his numbers actually weren't that far off from his rookie season numbers, you saw you know the juggling interception that he you know essentially gave up in week one. You saw some other mistakes you know, throughout the season. Uh, a drop in production here and there. But then, of course, you saw some other games where he, his production went up and he did some of those things that, you know, you you could kind of see that potential again, but it was still a letdown year. And I think OJ would agree. So this year, it's kind of like, are we going to get upside year one OJ or are we going to get struggling mental, you know, mistakes OJ? And, and I go back to when Bruce Arians was hired and throughout training camp. And one of the things he said is that if you're one of the guys that's out there consistently making mental errors, you're not going to play for the team at much longer. And I understand that Tom Brady uses tight ends. Um, Bruce Arians and his use of tight ends, I think, just like James just said, is more tied to the type of offense he likes to run. The type of offense needs longer reads, longer developing plays. He, so the quarterbacks need more time in the pocket, which means adding that extra blocker makes a lot of sense. Uh, when, when I came down to Tampa to cover the Cardinals game in person, I very specifically for Bucks Nation counted – OJ's snaps and whether he went out 
uh, for a route or whether he stayed in the block or whether he stayed in the block and then released into a route, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I mean, he blocked way more than he ran routes. And that's a, that's a testament to the offense making kind of an adjustment to how much pressure was on James Winston, how much he was getting hit, maybe a weakness in the offensive line, all that stuff. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come out with one of the top four offense tackles in this NFL draft, that's going to help tremendously. No shade to DeMar Dotson, but I think it's an upgrade. Any of those four, I think, is an immediate upgrade at the right tackle position. Joe Haig, uh, maybe not a starter on this team, but like Scott said on yesterday's episode, James, very good depth, very good player. That's your, that's your Josh Wells from last year. That's your, that's your guy who's going to come in. He's going to identify himself as an eligible receiver, but he's going to stay in the block. You know, I don't know, maybe he's got the athleticism to go out there and catch a couple passes. So when a guy like O.J. Howard is in there or Cam Braid is in there, theoretically, you're not necessarily going to have to rely on that tight end position to block as much, and that's where I kind of think some of this Tom Brady influence come in because we all know that Tom doesn't always like to sit back there and, you know, wait for three to five seconds to throw the ball. He wants to hit some of those quick developing routes, some of those shorter things, to help, help mitigate the pass rush himself by just doing that. Then you have the Gronk stuff. And that's where all this stuff kind of ties together, right? Because, James, you said yourself, the problem with the Gronkowski thing is he belongs to the Pats. And when, he, when Jason Light was asked about Gronkowski uh, in his Zoom conference with the media, he said the exact same thing. That's a guy who's still under contract or the, the rights are still owed, owned by a team, so that's tampering. I'm not going to talk about it. If the New England Patriots were willing to come off of the 23rd overall pick, I think it's 23rd overall pick that they have, in exchange for O.J. Howard, and they gave up Rob Gronkowski. That is a deal that I could see the Buccaneers taking. Now, me personally, I want O.J. to stay with this team. I don't want the team to make this deal. But you talk about the team out there looking for, for deals with, with uh, O.J. Howard. And I think the, the wide assumption is that they're not looking at a deal that I just outlined. They're looking at a deal for maybe moving up and grabbing one of those top four tackles. But just connecting the dots on these two voicemails for this episode. Let's just play the devil's advocate game. If Rob Gronkowski has voiced interest in coming back to the NFL and playing with Tom in Tampa, and the New England Patriots are stuck in a situation where you either have Gronk uh, or you, you either have compensation for Gronk or you don't have Gronk at all. Well, you're more inclined to take that compensation, whatever you can get, right? This is a team that's already shown, even up a first-round draft pick, for Brandon Cooks. Granted, O.J. Howard is not you know, the, the field stretch that Brandon Cooks is, but, but whatever. But if Bill Belichick has any type of, of confidence in Jared Stidham up there in New England, what's to say he doesn't go ahead and take that deal? You know what? We move off of Gronk, but we get O.J. Howard. We got him for three more years. We give up our first-round draft pick, but we've done that before. It's not a big deal. We brought back a lot of our key players, and we see what Jared can give us for a year. If it doesn't work out, Maybe we're in the Trevor Lawrence situation. We've still got a, a super athletic tight end for the next two years to bring our rookie quarterback in with, and then we add some other weapons around him. I don't know. I'm not saying it's a deal they could make or they will make, but James, I'll ask you, even given Rob Gronkowski's injury history, uh, because I agree with you, I don't like it, um, but you have Cam Brate there. You have Tanner Hudson there. You have Anthony Alclair there. Uh, there are some other pieces in this tight end room. Would you rather have... Rob Gronkowski and the 14th overall pick, or would you rather, or uh, OJ Howard in the 14th overall pick, or would you rather have Rob Gronkowski, the 14th and the 23rd pick? I'd rather have OJ. I would too. And I realize that it's closer than I would think it would have been. It is, but it's not because 
all you're doing, and I realize that the Bucks are in win now mode. They are all in to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. So getting that additional first round pick, yeah, that would be fantastic. That would be, you know, that would be great. But you're creating another hole that you're going to have to fill after Tom Brady leaves. You already know that that Brady is going to be gone after two years. At best, you might get one more year out of him, but I sincerely doubt it. So not only are you going to have to replace the quarterback position, but now you're going to have to replace the tight end position because Gronk's not sticking around after Brady leaves. And what if Gronk only plays for one year? Now you've given away you know, a young stud tight end and you only got one year out of Gronk. And so there's another hold fill and it sets you back farther in your quest to win a championship within the next two seasons. It just, it's enticing. I get it. But at the same time, I think they're better off with what they already have. No, I, and I agree with you, right? But here's the thing where, here's where you and I are looking at this from. And a lot of Buccaneers fans who obviously don't want this to happen are looking at this from. We're looking at 2018 O.J. Howard. And this coaching staff doesn't have 2018 O.J. Howard. They didn't have 2018 O.J. Howard. They watched 2018 O.J. Howard on film, and they were very excited about him, and they wanted to get him involved, and they tried to get him involved early and often, right? We saw that against San Francisco, and it didn't work. 2000, like, when, when you call O.J. Howard a stud, a young stud tight end, you're talking about 2018 O.J. Howard. 2019 OJ, if 2019 OJ Howard is what came out in 2018, like if your first round draft pick comes out in week one and lays the egg that he laid and hands a turnover to the opposing team, or not week, was it week one? Yeah, I don't know. In your first home game, lays the egg that he laid, hands a turnover in the red zone over to the opposing team that helps lead to that first defeat and then ends up leading to the ushering of your first round draft pick quarterback leaving. The franchise you know this fan base james people are starting to call oj howard a bust if his 2019 was his 2018 people are starting to call him a bust um we're giving you and i and this is how i see it you and i are giving him credit for 2018 and we're believing that 2018 oj was the real oj and that in 2020 the real oj howard will stand up but if this is and, and again guys this is purely out of my own you know brain dome um there, there's no actual information. This is even a possibility that's happening. If, this, if, if it does happen or if it were to happen, it would be a completely lucky guess on my part. But if they don't make the deal, if that's an opportunity, if that's a possibility, if New England has called Tampa and says, hey, Gronk wants to come back, but he wants to go to Tampa, check it out. We'll give you Gronk. We'll give you 23. Or maybe it's a second-round pick. We'll give you Gronk in a second-round pick. You give us OJ. And they don't take it. And they keep OJ. I'm happy. You're happy. Most of the fan base is happy. And OJ comes out in 2020, and it turns out that 2019 OJ was the real OJ. And then we find out three years from now that they had a chance to bring in Gronk, who, yes, very big injury history. Like, if you want to talk about a veteran player coming to this team that you should be concerned about playing the entire season, Gronk is the guy. But Gronk coming into this team with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Cam Brayton, Ronald Jones, whoever they add in the draft, he's not going to be the number one target that he was the last year he played in New England. And honestly, I think that's part of the reason he decided to retire because he saw the writing on the wall just like Tom did, right? It's come out since that he knew basically entering the 2019 season, that was his last year in New England. And I think he knew it because he understood that this team was not building weapons to consistently produce with him 
they were basically relying on him to produce for them. And Rob knew that Gronkowski knew that. And that's part of the reason he probably retired. He said, you guys aren't giving us any help. I'm out here getting banged up. I'm out here getting injured. It's not worth it anymore. He put a lot of money away. He was very smart financially. So he could ride off in the sunset. Now he's looking at a team and says, well, you got Tommy and you got a team built and you got a system where you can actually rely on your defense. Hold up. Let me re- let me think about this one more time. You know what I mean? So that's where the dots connect for me. Again, I'm not saying I want it to happen. I'm just saying that once I thought about it, it gives me more pause than I expected it to when I think about the possibility. Because now you're talking about adding an Andrew Thomas, maybe Jonathan Taylor, and then you go into the second round, talking about adding Ashton Davis or Xavier McKinney, Chase Claypool. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yes, you lose O.J. Howard and you lose that potential upside, but you're also losing that potential downside, getting a guy you know what you get in him for as long as you can get him. You've got another reliable Cam Brate behind him. Tanner Hudson, who showed a lot of potential, another year under his belt. Anthony Alclair, they've already been ranting and raving about. And you add a first-round or a second-round talent on top of that? Bro, that's hard to, that's hard to turn down. Here's, here's the issue that I'm going to end up having, because let's, let's play in your scenario here, mm-hmm. okay? And the Bucks get Andrew Thomas. And then with that other first round pick, they draft Grant Delpit. Okay. Would you, would you be excited about Grant Delpit being the pick? I'm 100% off the Grant Delpit train that I was on in January. So, no. Um, uh, Xavier okay. McKinney, Ashton Davis, uh, Chin, Duggar. Okay. Like, those are all the guys that I'm looking at now. Winfield. You know what I mean? Even obviously not all as you know, first round or even early second round picks, but those are kind of the guys that I like now. Okay. Well, see, here's the issue that, that I would have. Let's say they take safety. Let's say they take a Xavier McNeer or Nathan Davis or, or whoever, and they do so by trading away OJ Howard. You know what we have to deal with then, David? What's that? Well, you could have just drafted Derwin James, and then it wouldn't have mattered because then you wouldn't have <laughs> traded away this guy. And duh. that's what we're gonna have to deal with, and I'm not here for that. Yeah, but you know what? You throw back at the same guys. Would you rather have Derwin James and I don't know uh, Blacklock, or would you rather have Vita Vea and Ashton Davis or Xavier McKinney or et cetera, et cetera? And I would rather have Vita Vea and any of those guys over Derwin James and a guy like Blacklock, who is you know he's. He's a guy that projects to become a starter, but he's not a day one starter by any means. Whereas you get a guy like Ashton Davis. Ashton Davis is a guy who come in and he could potentially become your starting free safety week one. No, but but that that, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter right? because okay, there's a spear on his helmet and that's all that matters. There you go. There um, you go. Well, I'm just yeah. saying, again, guys, please please don't come at me saying that you know David Harrison wants the team to trade O.J. Howard and bring in Rob Gronkowski. That's not what I'm saying. But all I'm saying is depending on in, in the hypothetical that that is a situation that is possible for the Buccaneers to pull off, depending on the compensation the Patriots are willing to give, um, I would want that first-round draft pick. I don't know the Pats would be willing to give up that first-round draft pick because they are going to you know, essentially give up Rob Gronkowski or whatever. Obviously, Gronk, you know, I don't know what his figure is from his, his latest contract or whatever. Uh, there would have to be some negotiations there. But if it's a day one or day two pick that the Buccaneers get in exchange, I think, I think it's more tempting than I would have admitted before I actually gave myself time to think about that scenario, is all I'm saying. All right. Well, David, I think that's going to do it for our bonus episode 
But before we get off here, David, did you listen to Bailey and my running back episode? Not yet. No, um, I, I had a birthday party for, for my younger daughter, my middle child this week. And so it's my, most of my time has been dedicated to her. Well, not a birthday party. Don't come at me. We had a, we had a family, internal family birthday celebration uh, for my daughter. So obviously focusing all my energy on making that as, as good as, as possible given you know, the circumstances. Okay. Yeah, I, was, I was just curious. Why yeah, though? Yeah, you you fired some <laughs> shots about, about about JK. Did you guys talk about JK? Yeah. What'd you guys say about JK? I, well, I guess you're just gonna have to listen to the episode. I will definitely right listen to it, but yeah. Let's just say Bailey and I did not agree on where JK Dobbins fell on our top five rankings for the Buccaneers. Hmm. Top five rankings. Yeah, we ranked the the top five backs in our opinion as to how they would fit with the Buccaneers. Yeah. And J.K. Dobbins was one of the two running backs that he and I did not agree on their placement. Okay, let me give you my top five real quick. Okay. Because this is a bonus episode, so we don't have to worry about time limits. Right. So, um, yeah, we, we power ranked uh, Dobbins, Clyde yeah. Edwards-Hilaire, Swift, yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, and Cam Akers as right. far as their fits with the Bucks. Right. So, I would go J.K. is number one. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is number two. Jonathan Taylor's three, Cam Akers is four, DeAndre Swift is five. Wow, so many differences between uh, your list <laughs> and essentially Bailey and my list because we the the person that he had it two, I had it three, and the person that I had it two, he had it three. Other than that, five, four, and one were all the same. So who was number one for you guys? Clyde Edwards Flair. Yeah, I figured. I mean, but I had Clyde at two, so I mean that's that's you know that's close. Uh, where'd you guys? Where'd you have J.K. I had him at two. At two? Okay, so that's close to who's your who's your third? Swift. Okay. Where was who was your fourth? Acres. And you had Taylor at five. We both had Taylor at five. Yeah. And, and I mean, and Scott talked about that too, that Jonathan Taylor, like his kind of his draft stock has kind of just disappeared. I mean, it's not so much getting hurt, it's just like the rest of these running backs are getting so much love. And pressed that it's almost like he's not even in the conversation anymore. But I think I just look at it from the aspect of Ronald Jones is super fast, super athletic, and has shown the ability to catch the ball. So I'm I'm looking more for a guy that's going to be successful between the tackles and can block better, but can still catch the ball. I just I feel like J.K. brings the best combination of being able to block, being able to run between the tackles, but he's also shown the ability to be able to catch the ball, not as electric or elusive as Ronald Jones, but I think he complements him better. Than the rest, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a little bit more towards the Rojo side of things, but he still brings that extra uh, piece of the of the running back group that we don't have right now in Tampa. And then Jonathan Taylor, same thing. He just kind of complements it by just saying he's a little bit less electric uh, potentially than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And then look to me, looking at Acres and Swift, they're more kind of in the in the in the ballpark of what we already see with Ronald Jones. Maybe a little bit better in certain aspects, but I just feel like. You put Ronald Jones in, you you sub him out for a Cam Akers or, or a DeAndre Swift, and the defense doesn't have to adjust as much because they're in there as much as they would with a J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, or uh, Jonathan Taylor. So that's why I put those three first. And then because essentially it's just the more you are the contrast, the higher I put you. So that's that's pretty much how I did my five. Yeah, see, we both agreed that Jonathan Taylor, as far as a complimentary back, isn't as complimentary as 
some of these other guys. You know, it didn't seem like what you would get with Jonathan Taylor is much different than anything that they already have in Rojo. And from what from what Jason Light said, you know, if Rojo is quote unquote the guy and quote unquote hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can be maybe we're not going to end up with any of these top five guys. Maybe we're going to end up with a guy on day three, like, uh, you know, a, a P Ryan or uh DJ Ellis or, or somebody like that. So I don't know. It, it'll, it'll be interesting, but I was curious to hear your reaction that, uh, that I ranked the Ohio state guy at number two on my list. I appreciate that. But I, well, I've been, I mean, I, I give you a hard time, of course, but I've, I've been on the record as saying that when it comes to, NFL projection you put collegiate allegiance aside so I, I I do my best yeah yeah um and I don't believe at all that Rojo is the guy um I think he's a guy uh and I think that's 100% smokescreen now I don't get me wrong I mean I do think that Jason Light has confidence that Rojo has a scratch surface I agree I think Rojo has a lot more uh, upside to him which is an argument I made when you know Melvin Gordon came up in conversation that Rojo I think is is you know uh, not equivalent to Melvin Gordon, but you know given training camp and I mean if he makes some of the growth that he made last year between that offseason and the last, then he could definitely get up to that Melvin Gordon level, and then he could even have uh, a higher higher projection you know uh, of himself. And if they get an offensive lineman that's going to help run block better, then that'll help help as well. Um, I think if if the Bucks get an offensive lineman in the first round, I think they're absolutely taking the running back in day two. However, if they are forced into you know, free safety or, or, you know, even a defensive player like Caleb on chase on or Jawan Kinlaw on in on day one, then I don't think we get a running back in day two, because I do think it's a secondary need. Um, and I just think that round three is kind of that sweet spot for wide receiver for them looking for like a slot guy or an extra guy that can come in and play with these guys and compete with Scotty Miller and Justin Watson, et cetera. Uh, so I think that that, that first round really kind of dictates it for me. If the bucks can land an offensive tackle, then I believe we see a running back in day two. If not, then, we're probably looking at day three for running back. And yeah, P. Ryan, uh, Eno Benjamin's going to be my favorite just because one, he actually does some good things, and two, he's a Sun Devil. So yeah. All right. Well, David, now I think that'll do it for this bonus episode. <laughs> um, coming up next week, if all goes according to plan, David and I have undertaken quite the project that uh, he can fully blame on me. Um, But we will be bringing you full round one, round two, and round three mock drafts to kick off next week. And then, again, if it goes according to plan, a special guest to do our NFL 2020 draft kickoff show uh to uh to preview day one and then of course recaps and analysis and opinions and all that coming so lots of content heading your way and um hopefully david doesn't want to kill me uh for for doing this three round mock draft one round a day to uh to see how this could potentially play out. It'll be fun to discuss and debate, but a lot of that will happen off the air as David and I argue over who is getting drafted where. I'll probably default to you a lot, David, because you're better at this than I am. (laughs) I don't know if I'm better at it. I think I just have more time to dedicate to it. It is true. Because, you know, you get to to chill out and, and hang out at home while I'm 
out with all the sickos. Please send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. The more voicemails we get, the more bonus episodes that we're inevitably going to have to do because uh, we have a lot of content to cover. But, of course, we're going to want to hear your opinions on the draft. Uh, and, of course, yeah, you can do so by calling us at 813-444-5841. Check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all are having an absolutely outstanding weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.